and welcome to episode 51 of Popcorn Optional, a movie podcast where we talk all things movies. And this week, we are traveling back to 1993 for a review of Jurassic Park, which will be celebrating its 25th anniversary this June. My name is Cameron Selena, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. Hello. Heyo. Alrighty, well we, like we said, are going to be doing a review of Jurassic Park, but before we get to that... We have to nominate the 13th class of Honorable Menches. Honorable Menches is a little segment we do here on the podcast where we nominate people who we feel are above and beyond the best stars in Hollywood nowadays. Now, here's what this looks like. is What we're trying to do is we're trying to nominate people that we think, if all we knew about a movie was that they were involved, is that enough to make us go see it? So if all we knew about a movie was that Steven Spielberg was directing it, is that enough to make us go see it? We don't know anything about the story, the acting, or the actors in it, the cinematography, the visual effect. We don't know anything. We haven't seen anything. We haven't seen any posters. All we know is Spielberg's directing. Is that enough to make us go see the movie? And so that's what it takes to be a mensch. Outside of that, it must be a unanimous vote. All three of us must agree on the vote. And then the person, to be, in order to be nominated, they must have worked on or been in something to the effect of five films. So... That's really it. It's a pretty simple thing with just us really trying to nominate the people who are above and beyond and people who get excited to go see the movies. So let's start with our nominations for the 13th class of Honorable Menches. Uh, Trevor, who is your nomination? Okay, so I'm going to kind of go a different direction here. This person, to my knowledge, has never worked on or been in a movie, but if they did, I would definitely be 100% interested in it. And it is someone who does TV, so to okay. does, it's not like completely <laughs> like out of the Joe Biden. <laughs> like, what's about to happen? <laughs> Mario. Yes, if Pope Francis was <laughs> the screenwriter on a film, I'd be interested. <laughs> he actually has a movie coming out soon. I don't think he's. I think he's just in it. I think it's a documentary. Um, so this is someone who has worked on some of the great comedy of the last 10 to 15 years as a producer, a director, a writer, a creator, and that is Michael Skur. Ooh. He was an executive producer and writer for The Office, was creator with other people of Parks and Recreation, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and The Good Place. He was a writer for SNL. He was the producer of Weekend Update during the Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey years in the early 2000s. Um, I think no one... Turns out consistently good and unique comedy shows like Mike Skur. Yeah. He also plays Moe's in a way that no one else possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> he also wrote the best Black Mirror episode in Nosedive. Okay. I, I haven't one seen with, it. Uh, but Bryce I Dallas you. Howard. Oh, he wrote that? Whoa. Him and Rashida Jones wrote that. That's awesome. Yeah. Michael Skur is, um, I mean, he's one of those people that. Most people don't know of, but he is responsible for basically anything good that has been on NBC in the last like 10 years. Yep. Also an EP on Master of None. I didn't say that, which might be the best comedy show of all time? Question mark? Uh, it might be. Maybe. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy is prolific in the way that he writes, directs, produces. I mean, he's, he's one of the best out there and uh, more people need to know about him. So it's a yes for me. I think all of the EPing and creating and writing is all is all is all fine and dandy. Um, what really locks Michael Schur in for me is the fact that he played Moe's on The Office, and that's his uh, that's his honorable mensch performance. You know, when we nominate the people and we play a, a two minute sketch of something of they that they did, it's for me it's all Michael Schur as Moe's scenes, and so <laughs> for that reason and that reason alone, I am in on Michael Schur being an honorable mensch. That is a Outside the box, but very, uh, very good answer or a very good nomination. If he made a movie, we would 100% be in the theater. We would oh, yeah. 100% be there. We would be people number one, two, and three in the theater. We would probably be one of the few people that knew who he was at the theater. <laughs> that is very true, unfortunately. But that is Michael Schur, and he is now an honorable mensch. So congratulations, Mr. Schur. It was sure been our pleasure. Hey. That was bad. Hey-o. Moving quickly. You should, you should grow back the neck beard in celebration. Yes. Ooh. 
<laughs> That's too far, Trevor. How dare you? <laughs> Jake, who is your nomination? My nomination is someone who's a producer, actor, director. He has been the star of uh, some of the best films in the last decade or so. Uh, and yeah, he just has a really interesting career and he seems like a really good guy. And that is Matt Damon. Ooh. Um, this is interesting because he's kind of controversial. Yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of controversial. He has a very entertaining feud with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. That's one of my favorite things of talk show. Yeah. Their bit on the Oscars where it was like the films that have inspired us. And then it's him <laughs> watching We Bought a Zoo. Yes. Jimmy Kimmel watching We Bought a Zoo. And he's like, he makes acting look so effortful. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Damon is interesting. I kind of feel like, I know we talk about how the movie star is dead. If there are any movie stars left, he's one of them, I think. Even, except for We Bought a Zoo, which looks awful, and I have no interest in seeing whatsoever. I will say it's pleasantly delightful. It's not (laughs) as bad as you think it's going to be. I didn't say it was good. I mean, listen, I would much rather buy a zoo than watch We Bought a Zoo. (laughs) Uh, you would you watch we buy a zoo or we bought a zoo you'll never want to buy a zoo there's so much poop trevor (laughs) (laughs) poopity scoopity so the thing with matt damon is even his bad movies looked good before they came out i think for the most part like elysium looked like Mm -hmm. it was going to be interesting yeah well, there's actually there's no way. I mean, the Great Wall didn't look interesting. That was just yeah. That was I was about to grab. say hundred percent, hundred percent money grab there. I didn't see that and I have no interest in it. But yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards yes on this. I mean, he just has like that that f- the face and the charisma, the way that he plays Loki in Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> <laughs> so bizarrely. But the thing about Matt Damon is, is that. In that scene, you can't stop thinking about him. You're like, it's it's like he's too famous to have had that cameo. He's like, right? He he attracts too much attention, which I think speaks to his honorable menschness. I'm not like a super firm yes, but I am gonna say yes on this one. The thing that's okay. weird to me is so not counting Thor Ragnarok, he had two films that came out last year, uh, Downsizing and Suburbicon, neither of which I really had interest in. This is a pick. That to me is like is a for sure yes, like maybe like four or five years ago. Like if you had asked me this post Martian, I think it'd be a hundred percent yes. Because him in the Martian is great. He's he's <sighs> interesting. I'm not trying to convince you to say no, Cam, but he's no, no, interesting but like, in that yeah, I feel me. like his his best acting performances are all at least ten years old. I think the departed is his best performance. Yeah. Um, partially because really... it's so different than everything else that he does. Well, he's um, playing a villain. Like, name another movie where Matt Dillon, pl- Matt Damon, not Matt Dillon. Oosh. Matt Damon <laughs> plays a villain, right? So I think he has. Like... Yeah, I mean, he just he does have that. He does have the charisma, like the the money can't buy, you can't teach it. He's got that. Everything that he's in looks interesting. Like yeah. it might not be good, but what he's doing in it looks interesting. And he's one of the few people that in Hollywood that like a Matt Damon trailer comes out and you're like, hmm, hmm, you know, this this might be interesting. He also pulls in talent like nobody else. Like if Matt Damon calls, people show up to work with him. Also, he the, he nails Jason Bourne. That's yeah. I mean, that's oh, like yeah. the role he was born to play, I think. But even more so than that, I mean, it's you know, he delivers one of the, he wrote one of the all time great scripts in Goodwill yeah. Hunting. Uh, and delivers maybe one of the best lines, you know, how do you like them apples? Mm-hmm. He's also saving Private Ryan. He's in a voice role in a little film called Titan AE, which I was quite a big fan of as a kid. 30 Rock. 30 Rock? <laughs> great, great recurring role in 30 Rock, yeah. Uh, the Oceans movies. He plays that Linus role perfectly. Gosh. Okay, I'm going to say yes. And it's yes. it's a very much so like he's on the edge of the yes because of what he's That's done. That's how the I past feel also. He's he's the notch above Harrison Ford. You know what? D's get degrees. Your GPA's not on the degree. <laughs> he uh he has two films coming out this year, both of which are cameos. I don't know if it's spoiler to say which films, but he's cameos in two films this year, so there's that. Yeah, Matt Damon. There you go. Honorable mensch. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the obvious 
here because I'm surprised this hasn't happened yet. Um, and I was waiting for one of you two to do it this week after after the week that he has had. Mm, but there's yep. a man who is a man of many talents. And I, he's not a man of many talents where he's, you know, he's decent at all these talents. He's a man who is at the top of his game in all of these talents. He is... He can sing, he can rap, he can act, he can direct, he can write. This week we found out he can do sketch comedy. He really can do anything. He really can. He is the modern renaissance man. And his name is none other, the childish Gambino himself, Donald Glover. Yes. Donald Glover. Donald Glover. I mean, yes. Yeah. Can we can we talk for a second about how he was an amazing rapper and just decided to stop rapping because he was bored and wanted to do different music? Like, what <laughs> yeah. is that about? What? And now he's kind of back to it. The amazing thing is, like, when you listen to his music, like his first album is like a hard rap album. His second is like more of a chill, laid back West Coast type thing. And then he does an R and B album, and now he's kind of mixing R and B and modern like rap. And it's Camp Camp is one of my favorite rap albums ever. Yeah. Um, it's just so good because of the internet um, is super underrated too. Yeah. Yeah. And his, his mixtapes that he used to put out before people even knew who he was are pretty nice. Also. I mean, he was a, he was a writer on 30 rock. He is the show and community. He's what pulls everything together and ties it all up and, and brings all the people together. I mean, I don't even know what else to say about Donald Glover. The hype, like the hype is real and it's accurate. This is America is probably the best piece of art to come out in a really long time. Like in four minutes, it says more than most feature films have in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, the dude is unstoppable. He's a content creation machine. Everything he does is at the top level. And it's also so fascinating that someone that is so strongly influencing culture is so removed from it. Like he's this like nebulous person that's not active online, doesn't do any interviews or anything. I mean, he's just he's just this nebulous <laughs> creative genius. Right. Like you know nothing about his personal life. The only yeah. time he's he's used Twitter in the past six months was to tweet out a script of a Deadpool show that he wrote to spite spite the network. Yeah. Which was one of the better scripts that's been put out in the past couple of years. And it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Right, so, and then on top of all of these things we've said, he's also the creator, writer, director, lead star of Atlanta, which, which is, is one amazing. of the best shows on TV right now. And yeah, this I just binged my way through most of the second season, and I mean the guy's just he he's, he knocks it out of the park in every episode. The show changes genres almost every episode. It changes perspectives. There's an episode where he plays a really creepy, like Michael Jackson esque white guy. That's just amazing. It blows my mind what this guy can do. And then not only to have that, but then this weekend he double hosts SNL as actual acting host and musical guest as well. And he destroyed. Like, it was one of the best SNL episodes in years. He just he has it. It's amazing, like you said, Jake, that he has this ability to be making so many different types of art, to be a focal point of culture, to be influenced by so much different culture, and to be derivative in almost no way. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I haven't seen a lot of Atlanta, just a little bit, and read some about it, but like no one has ever made that show before. Like, it's not like anything else that exists. Yeah, his music career is like like Awaken My Love is very R and B ish, but doesn't sound like anything else. No, yeah, um, he but just it's a complete departure from everything else that he had done, and he right. nails it. And it's yeah, he's he's amazing. I highly recommend the New Yorker article about him from a month or so ago. Yeah, um, it's it's un- I'm undetermined, or I'm unconvinced about how much he is be acting or being real with what he says in the article because the way that he approaches some certain questions is interesting um but i highly recommend seeing it just to kind of get a glimpse of donald glover yeah so there it is the 13th class of honorable mentions that's the first class in a while where all three have gotten through um so yeah congratulations to michael sure matt damon and donald glover you are all now officially Honorable mentions, and we are excited to see what you do in the future. Especially you, Matt Damon. Step it up. (laughs) (laughs) 
I hope Matt this like goes viral and gets to Matt Damon and he's like, who the heck is this guy? We didn't even talk about how Donald Glover is about to be the voice of Simba. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And he's about to be maybe this coolest character, Lando Calrissian. Man. So sexual. Three weeks. The, oh my god. The furs. <laughs> that man in a fur. Good. Did you gracious. see the behind the scenes featurette where it's <laughs> yes. like him walking through the Millennium Falcon in his cape room? Yes. <laughs> that was the best where he's introducing all of his capes and oh. <laughs> Oh my goodness, man. Well, there we go. Let's go ahead and get into our review of Jurassic Park, the iconic 1993 film directed by Steven Spielberg, starring so many great faces, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, Bob Peck, B.D. Wong, Martin Ferrero. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, Wayne Knight. I mean, this cast is is incredible. And then you know, this is this is about as iconic as it gets. This is Spielberg at the top of his game doing the best thing that he can do. And uh, I've talked a lot about this film already. It was one of my top uh, top tens in our very first episode, which you can go listen to that we did a year ago this week. So we were babies. We were babies. We didn't know what we were getting into. Now we're here, and we're grown men. Ready to face the T-Rex. <laughs> Let's get to our general thoughts. Trevor, what are your general thoughts? Wait, wait so what, okay. let, me, let me say this. They're not even really general thoughts. This is more of a review because this film's been out for 25 years as of this June. So if you haven't seen it, go see it and then come back. We're going to freely talk about this because it's amazing. Yeah, so it's gosh dang Jurassic Park. I don't really know what else to say. Like you said, it's the it's iconic. The It's the T-Rex chasing the Jeep. It's the Brachiosaurus eating leaves out of Alan Grant's hands. I mean, it's just, it, it, it is movies. This is like as blockbustery as it gets. It's the perfect blockbuster. Um, it, the score is amazing. Good Lord. John Williams is just doing something else here. I will say uh, there's a little bit of it that doesn't 100% hold up for me and that it doesn't, it doesn't, tug at me emotionally like it used to and it, it's been a long time since I've seen it and it um I, I, I it feels more culturally significant to me than a great movie when I watch it now um which I know Cam I know you love it and it's your favorite movie but so you can you can be angry but that's no, I think that's I think kind that's of a how, fair how assessment of the movie it. I mean it's not part of the reason why I love it is because you you don't necessarily relate to the characters on an emotional level outside of almost like fear bonding. It's not like a like <laughs> you sympathize with these characters, but what draws you to them is the fact that in these situations where everything is just going in the pooper, you're just sitting there going, "That's the decision I would make. That's the dis- okay. I would do that." Like they're making logical smart steps after logical smart step. And bad things just keep happening. And I think that's something that so many movies put themselves in this hole where they they make their characters have stupid decisions. And that's part of my problem with Jurassic World is so many things that happen are very much against what the logical thing would be in those steps or in those situations. And so in this movie, it's just, you know, they're smart people doing smart things and bad things keep happening. And that's the most terrifying thing is you've never watched, I mean, like, have you ever watched a horror film where somebody just keeps doing the right thing after right thing and bad just keeps happening? And that's what makes it even scarier is when they're doing all the things that you would do and it's still going wrong. Like that makes things 10 times better. It's Jurassic Park, man. It is, uh, it is, I think probably one of the most influential movies in the history of cinema. This, I think sparked my interest in filmmaking. It was one of the, one of the films that really like, Wow, this is what's possible. This is amazing. Score, like you said, Trevor, is one for the books. John Williams and Steven Spielberg prove once again that they are one of the most formidable team-ups in Hollywood. And just no one makes a movie like Spielberg does in this genre. He is the ultimate director of the crowd-pleasing blockbuster. And the reason behind that is because he still has the perspective of a child. This film is about kids conquering fears. 
like all of the big dinosaur moments in this film, the kids are isolated by themselves. Mm. Like we are with these kids overcoming their fears. Um, and that, like, that's such a relatable thing and really just draws you in. Uh, we also need to address how well this movie holds up visually, like uh-huh. for it being 25 years old, they spent over a year and a half in pre-production and research with actual paleontologists and like animal movement specialists to like nail the look of the dinosaurs and everything. Everything just has like weight. It looks real. They used animatronics and CGI like so well together. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 Jurassic Park. It's the perfect example of using C- or using practical effects as much as possible, except in situations where it's physically impossible. Like, yeah, they build. I mean, you actually feel it when the rain is falling on the animatronic T Rex. You see the little splatter. You're not. You know, looking for like these digital. It's you're you feel that presence. You see the water dripping. It's 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 incredible that for a movie that's been out for twenty five years, that it still looks better than half the things that come out nowadays. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Trevor. Or same with me. Like it's been a long time since I've sat down and watched Jurassic Park all the way through, um, just because I watched it so much as a kid and. Now going back and rewatching it and like really paying attention as an adult, there's a lot of like heavy plot stuff that I was not catching when I was a kid. We're gonna have an insider turn for a hundred thousand dollars and steal D like I'd never understood right. any of that Newman stuff when I was a kid. And, <laughs> oh, uh, Newman. I will forever refer to him as Newman. I don't care what anybody says. Um well, he pretty much always is Newman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be curious to see if, if he, the actor Wayne, has ever done anything outside of Newman-esque things. Yeah, I will say something that might improve this film is to hit a little bit harder on that side of it in his motivations. It's a little thin for me, mm-hmm. but but I mean, it, I mean it, it's addressed. Like, they talk about his money issues, that kind of thing. It's just a pure greed F over the company that he's currently working for because he doesn't right. feel respected type of thing and i think that's kind of like i i actually love that aspect just because it's it's such a simple thing that they kind of just like address it and move on it almost feels like i mean i guess that's it's i mean it can work as a kind of irony but it almost feels like too simple for the amount of destruction caused later i also never caught like why everybody was there like these paleontologists and then uh, Jeff Goldblum, whatever his character was, I didn't know what he was as a kid. I was always like, "Why is this rock star guy here?" <laughs> like, um, and yeah, I, I, why is he this tries to explain here? chaos theory? Yeah, and like now I listen to it and I'm like, "Oh yeah, chaos." Okay, I get that. And I, I need I need to do my Goldblum spiel. You guys know that I love Jeff Goldblum because. <laughs> He's only he only plays one character and he plays Jeff Goldblum in everything that he's in. He basically like plays the role of like the hater film critic of the film while he's in the film. Right. Like huh. this is stupid. This is dumb. Why are you guys doing this? No one should be doing any of these things. <laughs> you guys are all idiots. But he's the voice of the people. Like that makes it so much Yeah. It gives you that like real like yeah. So yeah, that's not yeah, that's not normal. I think that that was my my least favorite thing about this film is that he's not in the third act. They just like they throw him into a shed and then well he's hurt now. You don't no like more, shirtless no more quips. Jeff Goldblum laying sexily on a table. Dude, okay, that, pose. that shot is that shot in pose is amazing. That is so <laughs> that was so good. Oh my goodness. I don't. I didn't really remember that from seeing it before, but when it cut to that, I was like, "That's a shot right there." That and it's is... it's a quick cut to it. It's just like kind of yeah. out of nowhere. He's just like posing, <laughs> and you're like, "Jeff Goldblum was red. He worked out for months for that single shot." <laughs> <laughs> oh Worth it. man! But yeah, I mean, that goes to kind of my another thing that I'm sure you guys want to talk about too is there's probably I don't know twelve shots in this film where I'm just like, "Good God, Spielberg." Right. The the reflection in the water of the dinosaur footprint mm-hmm. that the, oh my gosh and it's just, there's just like I said there's so many shots and you guys probably have a few that you feel like are iconic but it's just like 
he's he's the best at visual storytelling. There's no one better than he is. Well, also the reason why he's the best at visual storytelling is he understands it's not the visual, it's the reaction that matters. Mm-hmm. Like Spielberg right. face in this movie, that's this is ultimate Spielberg face of Sam yeah. Neill like taking the sunglasses off and trembling and oh, like yeah. then revealing the brachiosaur. Oh. That's right. that's the way to do it. And that's we can talk uh, later about the new Jurassic World, Jurassic Fallen Kingdom stuff, blah blah blah, but like that's what those films are missing for me. Those are just like CGI, yeah. Whereas this is like human human stories in this dinosaur world. But it's almost as if like Spielberg gives credit to his audience to wait and have that like patience and smarts and you I mean you talk about the Spielberg face and at the end when you know Lex is holding the jello and it's shaking. You like and mm-hmm. she has this terrified you know exactly <laughs> what she's looking at like you're not sitting there going, well, why is she freaking out for no reason? You're you as an audience member from everything that he's done to set it up, know exactly what is mm-hmm. off screen at that right, moment. But you don't you know what it is, but you don't know what it's doing or right. where it's going or what's going to happen. It's he he shows you only what you need to see, not what you want to see. Yeah. So going back to Jake's what Jake had said about, you know, Dr. Grant taking off the glasses, for me, that setup of the introduction to the dinosaurs is maybe the most iconic part. You know, when you finally get that that score and it swells and the welcome to Jurassic Park, that were the line delivered by Richard Attenborough, and you pan out over the valley and there's just all these dinosaurs just grazing. And it's it's moments like that, the calm just kind of built emotional moments that he captures that sense of wonder because this movie could very easily just go, like they get there and things instantly start going wrong, but they get there and it's almost this sense of bliss and adventure. Like they're getting to see the dinosaurs for the first time. They, they get to kind of go on this uh, car adventure that kind of goes haywire and it's, things slowly start to creep in and he's I mean, it's it's like a chess match of him placing pieces slowly in different places for this end game where he has all this things all these things go wrong this movie is perfectly paced um i think that you know maybe we'll tweet this out later um when we put up the episode so maybe check our twitter but i've been doing this thing called story clocks as i've watched like films that are just classic that I'm pretty familiar with the plot and so I don't have to like super pay attention but basically you make a circle and you plot the entire story structure of the film like a clock and so halfway through the film is six o'clock and in start is 12 o'clock you get it um but it allows you to like create these mirroring or like these connection moments or like setup and payoffs or character development throughout the story and like it is almost a perfect like mirroring of itself. The moment we see the Brachiosaurus for the first time is at like 20 minutes in and then at exactly an hour of a two hour film is the giant T-Rex sequence and then with exactly 20 minutes left in the movie is the kids raptor in the kitchen scene. And so I mean you have just like the main the, the film revolves around these main moments and everything else is just so perfectly placed and edited um it gives you a lot of action but enough time to like have things breathe and settle down and let character development happen um another big part of this film that people don't really talk about is i I already mentioned it's about the kids but it's more so about like alan grant not liking kids and the character arc he goes through through this journey of liking kids at the end. Like that's a huge part of this film that I hadn't really noticed that much until I started plotting the story structure and character development moments. Um, And just like the idea of splitting away the guy that dislikes kids the most with just the kids. Like that's such good writing. Yeah. This movie is just so perfectly paced, perfectly written, edited so well. Um, and it, it 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 moves with at the same time giving you time to breathe, unlike Infinity War, for example. Yeah, yeah. The the story clock that Jake created is incredible. We'll definitely have to tweet that out. Some of the interesting things, uh, or at least the most interesting part to me, was Jake on the inside of the clock had a breakdown of the different 
storylines and how they pace out. Um, you know, being major storylines, dinosaur moments, uh, DNA and life theme, and then the kind of Dennis subplot. And what's really interesting is kind of the way that the major dinosaur moments play out. They don't happen often. Like there's the big moment, like at least on here, Jake has three where it's the first uh, Brachiosaurus. Then there's the T-Rex scene. And then there's the kind of end craziness battle, you know, with Velociraptors and chasing. And there's really like in reviewing that, there's really not dinosaurs as much as you would think in this film. So much of it is once again, like a Spielberg jaws off screen type thing. And I don't think I had realized that until Jake put this together and I was kind of able to break it down and go, huh, there's really not as much dinosaur screen time as you think there is. Total, there's maybe like 15 minutes on screen of dinosaurs, like interacting with humans or us seeing the dinosaurs. It is very, very limited. And I think I think that's incredibly conscious. I think that something that Spielberg does that fr- it frustrates me a little as a, as a big fan of sci-fi, but he makes sci-fi movies that don't feel like sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really it's really impressive the way he does this. Um, this is totally a sci-fi movie. This is taking DNA that's stuck inside of mosquitoes from sixty-five million years ago, mixing it with frog DNA, and growing female-only dinosaurs. <laughs> like this, that's like about as sci-fi as it gets. We didn't really get the microscope shots like in Annihilation or anything. Um, but but this is a sci-fi movie. But it doesn't. It feels like an adventure movie. Um, and I think that the way that Spielberg does that is is all very very carefully crafted. Yeah, and, and part of that is also he understands that not giving us things is sometimes more effective than giving us things. You know, we've come to this place where in Jurassic World there's dinosaurs on screen the like so much of the movie that it almost desensitizes us to when we see the dinosaurs. And I get that's part of like what that movie is going for is that dinosaurs have been around so long that we've we want bigger, we want badder, but it it we lose that sense of wonder even when we see the Indominus Rex. Whereas in this movie, every time that a dino is on screen, your your mouth is on the floor because whether we realize it or not, Spielberg is shaping the way that modern society views and thinks of dinosaurs. So much of what we as People think of dinosaurs actually like comes from this movie. Like, I guarantee you that if you ask somebody how a a dinosaur moves or what does a T Rex sound like, some sort of Jurassic Park answer would come out. Like, there's not really any other dinosaur, unless you want to talk Land Before Time, which we can talk Petrie all day <laughs> long. But there's not really any other dinosaur thing out there that's you know permeated mainstream culture as much as this has. Are there still are they still making Land Before Time movies? I think they are. I'm gonna look that up real quick because I'm actually kind of like, curious I, now. What I number hope are they so. on? Like 107. <laughs> I mean, they were like at 20 before we were even out at like done being kids. Yeah, there are 14. There's 14 plus okay. an animated series. Not nearly as many as I expected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cameron, you're right. This this has defined dinosaurs, especially like in our culture but for everybody i think like when you think of dinosaur you immediately go to the the renderings and animatronics that were created for jurassic park and i mean spielberg did the same thing with jaws i mean he shaped our culture around around sharks around dinosaurs uh around aliens with et i mean spielberg is the man yeah i'm curious if we look back on uh on on ready player one and maybe that is a like seminal VR type film. Yeah, maybe. I think I found this hilarious quote from Spielberg where he was talking about the animatronics and everything and his philosophy was shooting them. And he said that he wanted to make this, he thought of this as a sequel to jaws, but on land. Mm. And I mm. think, and I think like he did that actually. Yeah. That's really, it's like pretty, a pretty accurate description of what this movie is. Yeah. That's incredibly true. Uh, it also this also way. this movie also plays as kind of a low key parody of Walt Disney, in, in some <laughs> ways too that I never really that I never really picked up on. But it's they mentioned Disney quite a bit, and 
in Disneyland and that kind of thing. And Ian Malcolm talks about how when the Pirates of the Caribbean ride goes bad, the pirates don't start killing the people on the ride. <laughs> um, but I think it's, yeah, it's kind of, this is, this is in a way sort of like the, the Walt Disney to its logical extreme. It's interesting to view it from a completely different lens of the, like how far would you go to entertain type thing? And obviously yeah. Disney, you know, was never like, let's put harmful animals in the, well, that's not a hundred percent true. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a time when he wanted jungle cruise to feature real hippos. So yeah, that's bad news. Those things are, don't play around. No. <laughs> so I have a, so the question here is, would you guys go to Jurassic park? Oh, heck yes. Would you guys not? I don't know, man. I'm just going to say there's been like what? Five movies. None of them have gone well. <laughs> Just wait till the new one. I mean, I, I saw the trailer, well. so I think I know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot the trailer gave away the entire movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, like, are you asking me would I go to Jurassic Park in the state that it's in in the Jurassic Park movie? Or would no, I go like, when it's like, open for like, consumers, like in Jurassic World? Right, right. Like, things are going according to plan so See, far. See, I would go to Jurassic World because, like, the amount of people that die percentage-wise, I've got a pretty decent chance of making out of, out of there alive. <laughs> so I, I, I would I would play the odds. Like, let's say like 5% of the people. So me, like one out of every 20. I, I think I can outrun, you know, some of those people. Okay. Cool. cool. Um, that's that's, that's how I like to, to plan my vacations. <laughs> can I outrun some of these people if Is I there need a to ch- in a survival situation? You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the person next to you. <laughs> My big question That's is right. always like, what's the percentage of me dying? And if it's, you know, it's a hundred percent chance that I'll live. I don't go on that vacation. That's not fun. <laughs> That's not <laughs> vacation. <laughs> That's not a vacation. You know, you got, there's got to at least be a 1% chance I could die. I will note that we are currently 43 minutes to this podcast and I have yet to sing anything. So take that Jake and your editing. Over- we're going to have to fix that ASAP. <laughs> um, just wait till I start humming the Jurassic Park theme song. Or just do the uh, the Jeff Goldblum, uh, well, Lifea. Oh, there it is. Life finds, life, life finds a way. Life finds a way. I'm going to make a remix <laughs> with that sample. Life, 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 life finds a way. 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 Oh, dang it, I did it. I talked about yeah. it, and now it's like, okay, there we Thank go. You. Oh, man. Guys, I totally forgot that Hold On To Your Butts came from this movie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, in relation to that, can we talk about the greatest hacking job that anybody has ever done in a single film? Okay, can we talk about how this isn't hacking? This is just knowing how to go through a folder structure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's not hacking. That's just that's just simple simple it's PC l- navigation. <laughs> I love how she's, she's like, not this is a squat. Unix system. I know this. Folders. Yeah, it's uh, like me dragging one thing from a folder to another. Has yeah. she used yeah. a computer before? She's not <laughs> holding the mouse correctly. Yes. I mean, yeah. I know it was 1993 and not everyone had a personal computer, but come on. There's like a pretty strong possibility Steven Spielberg had like never used a personal computer before making this film. The guy was too busy making hit after hit. Like he doesn't I know. have time I'm, to I'm use not saying, I'm not saying it was dumb. I'm saying he was doing Indiana Jones in the 80s. There's some incredible like stats around this film that, so put this in perspective for the time, 25 years ago. This film made over a billion dollars. It was the first film to ever make over a billion dollars. And then it was the highest grossing film for four years until that Titanic of a film came across and made us fall in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. So (laughs) on top of that, this film was bought. The rights to this were bought for $1.5 million in 1990 before the book was even released. And then Crichton got $500,000 to write the screenplay, turning this from a book into a, into a, uh, turning it from a book into a screenplay. So, I mean, 1.5 million back then is was unheard of, especially even before there was a wide interest in this. And I think that goes to, at least to me, goes to show that Spielberg kind of knew. He knew at that time that he, there was a hit here to be had, and you know, I 
that's one of the things that I don't think Spielberg gets enough credit for is I feel like nowadays so many people just like look at him as like adapting things and he's, you know, changing new things and he's just constantly changing like parts of source materials. But it's like he was ahead of his time in how he envisioned and set out the looks and styles of certain things that we now don't even credit to him, but he created. He's just a genius, man. I mean, there's, there's a reason why he's generated like billions and billions of dollars, uh, more than I think anybody else in Hollywood ever. I don't um, maybe, like George, George Lucas maybe, but no, I think that Spielberg there. was the highest. I think he just passed $10 billion for all of his films. That's crazy. That is crazy. Another hilarious thing along those lines is that Michael Crichton wrote The Lost World as a sequel because Spielberg asked him to because he wanted to make a movie of a sequel. Right. He was like, hey, you should uh, write a sequel book to that book you wrote so I can make a movie out of it. Yeah, Which, we can. We don't need to talk about it. better than you guys say it is. We've talked about it before. I'll go to bat for The Lost World. Okay. I like it. The new movie. Now the, If you don't want to know about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, skip ahead in the two minutes. Yeah, okay, you're right. The movie is Fallen literally Kingdom. Lost World. That's what I was going to say. From the tra- from the minute of the trailer that I watched, I was like, this is Lost World. It's a little bit different, but it's Lost World. It just there's a volcano, spending- and there's a, spl- like a spliced dinosaur, that, and that's it. We're just spending more time on the rampage in San Diego part of the movie than the Lost World did. And we also don't get Vince Vaughn. Right? Oh, yes. man. Or Jeff Goldblum's gymnastics daughter kicking a velociraptor in the face also awesome see this this movie is so cool i don't know okay why you you're, you're selling like me i always consider that the worst of them but you know maybe no, it's it's better than three it's definitely oh, better than three you mean three the one where velociraptor talks to dr grant in his dream exactly yes there's oh, none of that none of that, that monkey happened. business oh, also they they drive a they drive a double long rv through the jungle <laughs> that's like yeah. the vehicles in that movie are awesome <laughs> yeah it's the most logical choice like you're going through thick brush maybe through some rivers let's take a giant rv with a low suspension hey you know at least they made it flexible in the middle it can right. turn some corners oh my gosh there's no that's just all terrible choices <laughs> it's it is funny to me that the spielberg that made jurassic park made lost world yeah also, the SUVs are all Mercedes-Benz, so, you know, that's legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was back when Mercedes was, you know, doing bad, because they were ever doing bad. Um, all righty. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Let's go ahead. And, I feel like we're at the end of our review, and we're just, we're just waiting. We're just waiting now. So let's go ahead and get to our final thoughts and ratings for Jurassic Park. It's an A+, plus, man. It's Jurassic Park. This is one of the best movies of all time. This defined movie making for a generation, defined dinosaurs for pretty much the world. Uh, I think like this is Spielberg hitting the Spielberg stride. Like mm-hmm. he's obviously made great things before this, but like Jurassic Park is what you think of when you think of a Spielberg movie. In my opinion, mm-hmm. technical perfection on every single level. Editing, score, visuals, animatronics, directing, acting, script, pacing. I mean, it's it's perfect. Jurassic Park, A+, obviously. We didn't talk about yet the best um, part of the movie, which is at the very end when the banner falls down around the TX that just saved everyone's life that says when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Yes. Yep. Um, because... It's still going on, of course. The T-Rex is definitely ruling the earth. Um, Yeah, this is... uh, It's not a perfect movie. It's a great, amazing movie, iconic movie. Um, It's a little... There's a few things here and there for me that I can nitpick. Uh, I give it 63 million years out of 65 million years. Mm, Um, So so right up there, I mean, this, like I said, like we've said, this is Spielberg doing Spielberg. It's an iconic movie. It's a cultural touchstone. Um, it's a movie that's going to be watched for the next hundred years or however long until our society does something besides film or whatever. Um, it just, it's Jurassic Park. I don't, you don't need to say anything else. Yeah. And I was, I was curious what, you know, his film before this and what his film after this was. And he put out Hook two years before this, which I love Hook. I have no problem saying that. I think it's a great film, but in the same year as Jurassic Park, he put out Schindler's List, 
Wow. So let's talk about the fact that pretty much six months apart from each other, he puts out two of the best films of the 90s. Yeah. Who knows how he, how he did that. But uh, yeah, Jurassic Park is an A-plus for me. Like I've said many times, it's one of my favorite movies. It blends so many different things, adventure, sci-fi, as Trevor said, families. It blends action. I mean, it's just it's so many things wrapped up in one with iconic one-liners, amazing cast, some of the maybe the best score, one of the best scores of all time. It's it's everything that you would ever want in a movie, and it does it well. So that's all we have for our review of Jurassic Park. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Uh, for me is the This Is America music video. I've been so busy with other things. I haven't really gotten a chance to watch any movies or watch any TV or anything uh, because I've been watching the This Is America music video about 100,000 times. And my brain melts every time I watch it. So yeah. go watch that over and over again. And then show it to your conservative parents. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that's my recommend for the week. Um, go see The Lost World Jurassic Park, which is the most bizarrely titled movie with a colon in it. It's backwards, but that's fine. It's it's better than you think it is. I promise, probably. Um, also, go look up on IMDb any of the episodes of The Office that Mike Skur is in as Moe's and watch yeah. them all on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I have two recommends this week, one of which is there's a... If you just Google it, just Google Jurassic Park documentary or YouTube it, there's a like 50-minute documentary uh, narrated by James Earl Jones. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes making of Jurassic oh, Park. Yeah. It's pretty good. I forgot about uh, that. That thing is amazing. Yeah, it's very like it gives a lot of inside and insight into this movie. That's uh, it's well worth your time. And then uh, the second is a documentary that I watched twice this past week. Uh, once by myself, and then I loved it so much I had to show my wife. It's called uh, "May It Last: A Portrait of the Avett Brothers." It's mm. directed by uh, Judd Apatow, and it's on HBO, and it is amazing. The uh, the Avett Brothers are one of my favorite bands, and it's it's a documentary that even if you don't like them, you'll like the documentary, and if you like them, it'll just make you love them more and want to listen to their music for the next week, which is all I've been doing. So yeah, may it last a portrait of the Avett Brothers. That's awesome. Uh, can I can I end with a, a fun fact slash trivia question that I just read? Sure. Mm, yeah. Okay. We should do this on a weekly basis because this is fun. Okay. Um, okay. How much do you guys think that The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, charges a movie studio for him to tweet about a movie that he's in? Oh, my gosh. $500,000. Trevor? It can't be that high, can it? Trevor? $75,000. A million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. See, that's oh my gosh. Every time or just like a couple of times? Uh, Is that one I, tweet? No, I don't think it's one tweet, but still. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine having it to There's where no way it's more than 20 tweets, though. But can you imagine having your Instagram or Twitter following be so involved in what you're doing that you're making a million dollars for doing it? That blows my mind. Ew. Oh, <laughs> I mean, on a that's like the thing with Twitter is that I mean, it's a like a fairly guaranteed reach of a certain number of people, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. I guess well, it's, I Jake, know. it's interesting that you bring this up because there's like a whole article that came out at Variety today about like behind the scenes what people make, um, like in some films, like. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. made $10 million for Spider-Man Homecoming and is in eight minutes of the movie. Amazing. Uh, when, when you're the only person that can do what you do, you can make a lot of money. That's true. Right. And The Rock uh, has 13 million followers and like huge engagement levels. So Right. And all of this came around the fact that uh, it came out because Daniel Craig, they, his salary or pay for being in Bond 25 was leaked. And for being in Bond 25, he is being paid an appropriate $25 million. I mean, so, you can't make uh, the movie without James Bond. Yeah, but $25 million for Daniel Craig? <laughs> That's one of those things where it's like, 
you know, have you ever guys, guys ever seen those things where it's like there's like a five dollar bracket, four dollar bracket, three dollar, two dollar, one dollar, <laughs> and it's like fifteen dollars make the best uh-huh. basketball team or whatever. It's like Daniel Craig's like a ten dollar at that point, but in like the fives, you got Robert Downey Jr. I'm taking Robert Downey Jr. for five. So, but I mean, Daniel Craig is the second best James Bond. I mean, this this is a conversation for another friend, but I think he's he's done what he needs to do. Who's better? I think he needs to get out there. Sean Connery. Sean Connery is okay, James cool. Bond. Just making sure it was Sean Connery. <laughs> I mean, that's, Roger Moore. There can only ever there can only ever be one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would be pumped if somebody like Idris Elba took over. Oh, I think he would be, be the so perfect awesome. Bond. Uh, there is talks of Charlize Theron taking over, which would be pretty cool too. What? She's kind of on this. Uh, She's not British. Action. Not British. <laughs> She's South African. <laughs> she has the accent. Nope. Not the same Total. thing. They're on Those opposite ends of the Those are different continents. No, no, but it's the, it's the same accent. No, no, it's not about the accent. It's, it's, so it's all dingoes and cow, co- coyote babies. It's about... No, that's, all, that's Australia. <laughs> yeah. You, you're wrong I know, in so I, many ways. I figured I, was, I would just go full <laughs> off track. And that's all we <laughs> have this week. All yeah. right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. If you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, go to our website at popcornoptional.com where you can find all our episodes. If you want to interact with us, find us on Twitter at popcornoptional or on Facebook at popcornoptional. My name is Cameron Slinger. You can find me online at 321 Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's both my Instagram handle and my website. Trevor? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Turbo Trevor, and please tweet me your favorite Robert California quotes this week. <laughs> there we go. A mission worth accomplishing. <laughs> Until next time, we hope you all have a great week. Uh, watch some movies and the world of the great Michael Scott. We'll be back ASAP as possible. Also, Aye. to end this. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da